With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We finally got our act together. We have been promising new stuff for the store forever. Yeah. Christmas time is here. You guys have asked us for Christmas suggestions. You do every year. Of course, the Blu-rays are available, all the films. But, but, hang on. Stay with me. Jackets. We've been talking about this since last year. We've been talking about it since May. We finally got around to it, yeah, like April, May, and then we realized... Nobody wants a jacket anymore. It's probably too warm right now, so we've waited until now, and finally they're on the store. If you go to the website, you'll see the store tab. Mm -hmm. You know how I talk about all the tabs on the website? Yes, there they all are, yeah. This time it's the store, Mm -hmm. and you can go right there and order the jacket, but you need to order it by Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. Yes. To make it in time for Christmas. You can still order after that. Mm-hmm. We just can't guarantee in time for Christmas. Building on top of that, this is a limited edition jacket. A lot of stuff on our store is just on the store, period. This is a limited edition jacket because yes, we have to yes. actually have to get them printed. You put in your size and we will, we will send it to you. If you right, if you order right. on Amazon, we have told Amazon that we're not sending any jackets out until the end of, of January 2019. That's not right. That just gives us the ability for Amazon to not bother us, essentially. We are getting these custom <laughs> printed based on your size, truthfully. Right, right. So if you order by December 10, that is next Tuesday, we feel confident that through all of the channels we're doing to get these printed, you should have it in time as a Christmas gift. If you order after December 10, we'd love for you to have one. And we'll keep it yeah, open absolutely. through January. By the end of January, we're closing off this limited edition jacket. You can no longer get them at that point. But again, this is Christmas rush time. My wife's bugging me today. It's like, we need to do all the Christmas shopping. I was like, oh, that's With right. What time? That needs to happen. Well, or what money, depending. Oh, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but these jackets are available. They're very cool. They're like the jackets many of you have asked that Paul and I wear during the winter when we're doing fast blasts. Yeah. They're like those jackets. Yeah. They've got a red and blue stripe on them, and they're very, very fun. So that's happening. And also... I think it's almost every other podcast, Mm. we come up with a stupid shirt idea. (laughs) And generally, we don't execute. But execution has happened. Yes. The I Speak car shirt is up there. And then my my two shirts, I'm going to buy all three of these, by the way. But the two shirts yeah, I have to, to have own, the uh, Ask Me About Cheap Phaetons and your fantastic Maserati shirt. <laughs> Look at that one closely, folks. It does not say Maserati. That shirt is brilliant. They're all up on the store. Those will remain. The shirts will actually remain indefinitely. We yeah. hope that yeah, yeah. you get the pair because, you know, we've got two cars. So you've <laughs> got to get stories. the pair of shirts. Yeah. Get two in different colors and <laughs> enjoy. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. I would also like to cordially invite you, since you're looking at the tabs Mm -hmm. on the website, go to the Adventures tab at this point, after you've bought the shirts. (laughs) Go to the Adventures tab. Do your Christmas shopping. Well, that's right. Then shop for you. That's where we're headed. Here we go. Plan plan your vacation for 2020 after you shop for Christmas like 2019. This like is real, we're, we're, we're helping you out here. It's just scheduling is really exactly. all we're doing. One-stop shop for all your Christmas needs and your future vacation needs. That is the Iberia Peninsula trip scheduled for late April 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The deposits for reservations for the cars need to be in by December 15th, That's coming 2019. Up soon. It's coming up soon. That and is so when that one closes. Go, it's 10 it's days away. It's a more expensive trip, and you'll see on there, but mm-hmm. it's going to be... A more amazing trip. When yeah. you pay more, guess what? You get more. Theoretically, There's more yes. driving. There's more scenery. There is scenery, actually. It's not just the forest. Yeah, it's not just the it, Black Forest of Germany. It, There's more than it's that. It's actually yeah, sure. a really beautiful scene. It's a tourist town, mm-hmm. which is uh, Ronda, Spain, and then we'll be in Portugal. Yep. It's The drive between will be amazing. There's beach. There's mountains. There's 
ancient ruins. It's going to be really cool. It's historical. Yeah. You could go to a bullfight. You could drive some cars. You, you could, I guess. Yeah. It's uh-huh. going to be great. So check that out, the Adventures tab. That is the Iberia Peninsula trip. And let us know as soon as you can if you can join us for that. We will, of course, in 2020, announce the regular pilgrimage trip. Mm-hmm. This is not that. This is no, a special no, no. one-off. And uh, we would love for you to join us. And if you cannot join us, please tell somebody you think might enjoy going. Yeah, and it yeah, is yeah. spouse or friend or family member friendly yes, to be able to bring someone Much more with so you. than the normal pilgrimage trip. The normal pilgrimage trip, by the way, those dates will be available early spring 2020. As soon as we get dates from the track, we will know. And you guys have responded in mass that you would really like there to be a raffle for one slot on the pilgrimage trip. We're I've gonna, noticed We're, we're talking about this. We're going to see if we yeah. can figure that out yeah. so that one person that goes on next year's 2020 pilgrimage trip will have gotten there because of a raffle ticket. Interesting idea. We're still looking some behind-the-scenes stuff, but, there, but we like some, it. We like there's it. There's some working. Sure. It's very and cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys like it, too. Yeah, so for sure. If you haven't heard yet, we're considering raffling off a slot yes. for the pilgrimage trip One drive to slot. Germany and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're still figuring all that out, but if you would, please pile on with comments on social media or email us and uh, let us know what you think because we're, we're figuring it out. So thank you for that. The car debates on this podcast, uh, happy Friday, by the way, the car debates on this podcast are awesome. We have Julian who has a mysterious occupation, but I think I figured it out. <laughs> and after the break- He's never going to tell us. We have, we have Kayla- in Montana, and she has uh, bad luck with cars and buying cars and feeling like she's been taken for granted. We're going to talk about cars for her as well, and many really cool questions. Far, uh, I, yeah, for I sure. saw so many cool questions tonight, I almost feel like I could do an all-questions podcast, but I'm not going to get the chance to because there is so much other stuff to cover. We could, we could. By the way, you got your Phaeton back. I did. Speaking of asking me you about cheap Phaetons. You should tell us a little bit about I should. I should try to go Phaeton quickly. And you've got First it back off, because yes. last podcast, mm-hmm. it was still in the shop. Yes, for new front Lowered struts. like a bus. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was still, it it was was still on kneeling. Bump it was still kneeling, yes. So you got your fate. I, I got Tell brand new that. front struts uh, that had a wicked comma in it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it that, did that's, have a wicked that's comma. That's the band name for, well, this, for this episode is see, Wicked Comma. That yeah. is the trade-off because mm-hmm. you guys for the show bought the cars. Mm-hmm. Now we're having to service them. And by the way, we are keeping a tally and we will publish it occasionally yes. about what the, what the cars have actually become as far as mm-hmm. how much money has gone into them. Todd's fate is quickly catching up to the Maserati. Let it's me trying. put it that way. But but honestly, though, you're above ten grand I, for a five thousand dollar fate. Yes, yes, all it's in. I am quickly it's, yeah. pouring but, money into but that. Here, thing. But here's the thing: I want to want to revisit though. It's a five thousand dollar car. I know it's a Phaeton, but, but, but put that to the side. It's a $5,000 car, and I have said, and I will stand by it, and this car proves the rule again. If you buy a $5,000 car, I don't care what it is. I don't care how cheap a car it should be. That $5,000 car is probably high mileage, and it needs stuff. <laughs> I don't care what it is, but you're going to spend Except for your mini, but you know. Yes, true. That then that is the grand exception. It is the only to this exception. Rule. Yes, I don't know. I've ever heard another exception I don't like think that. I, yeah. I mean, come on, my my ten thousand dollar Lancer needed stuff. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, you buy a five thousand dollar car, and I don't care uh, unless you want unless you choose difference unless you choose to ignore the things. That five thousand yes, dollar car yes. needs stuff. Right now, right. in the case of this Phaeton, when it dropped to at bump stops, couldn't ignore that. But my point here is <laughs> hard to drive. I could have bought any other five thousand dollar car. Would have put some money into it already mm-hmm. in yep. the first couple of weeks of ownership. I know I would have. In the case of the Phaeton, it was just more expensive. So there's that. But honestly, no surprise. Thankfully. Uh, it rides a lot better. It rides better than it did before I actually got the struts done because they're brand new struts and it actually rides wonderfully. Yeah. The engine and transmission, you've been been in it with me. The thing's a train. 
It is. It's great. It gets up to speed faster than I would expect when you throw about 320 horsepower against and about that torque against 5,200 pounds of weight. It should be more sluggish than it is. Is that a 4.2 liter? Yes, it is. It's the the old uh, engine out of the Audi S4. S4 engine. The old S4 Good V8. News. Both of our V8s are the same displacement. They are. They just operate very, very yeah, yeah, differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a seven five hundred RPM redline, and yours is like six. And and they're both they're both out of other cars too. Yeah. So they, they became famous in other cars yeah, and wound up in this sure. one. But but once that Phaeton gets to speed, like Autobahn kind of speeds, it's just like everybody out of my way because you're, gone. You know, you're, gone. you're just a train. Yeah. So so that's it's all working. It's awesome. I'm enjoying it again. Until this morning. <laughs> because. Todd calls me. Yeah. Yeah. I called Paul a little <clears> bit terrified, and then I that, diagnosed news, the problem. Yeah. Because the car won't start. Yeah. So here's the thing. The other thing about a $5,000 car, I guarantee you, whatever $5,000 car you bought, it's probably not a Phaeton, but ask me about cheap Phaetons. It has some sort of quirk, <laughs> and you're going to learn the quirks <laughs> of whatever car you buy. Well, sure. And that was true of Spot the Mini. There's just random quirks of Yours that doesn't work list, quite right. Though. Whatever. And, and it's all about, you know. Close your eyes, rub your belly, dance around the campfire three times, turn but the key to the left every, this time. Every old car has something like that. And then, surprise, it does something. So what I didn't realize on the Phaeton until this morning, I've been driving it around the last couple of days, thoroughly enjoying it. I got down to less than a quarter tank of gas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, no big deal. I, you know, I'll take my son to school and I'll go get gas. Right. But it wouldn't start this morning. Let me rephrase. The starter went like crazy because, remember, there's new dual batteries in there. The starters were happy <laughs> to do their job. The car has power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the engine wouldn't catch. And every time I tried it, it, it actually, the first, time, the first time I tried the it. The anxiety with these cars. Oh, my gosh. The first time I tried it, it started, and then it <laughs> promptly died. Like, you know, five or six seconds in, it okay. started less and less, and then it just died. And after that, every other time, it would just start a little bit less. I was like, what's going on? So I dig around, and I'm wondering, is it fuel pump? And I don't want to put this back in the shop, and please yeah. don't be the fuel pump, all that kind of stuff. And then I thought, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It said it had a, just under a quarter tank of gas, like more like an eighth mm-hmm. of a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put gas in it sitting here in the driveway on the off chance that the gauge is wrong. Did you turn it off and turn it back on? Did you unplug your VCR and pull it, <laughs> put it back into the wall? So I, I did some troubleshooting, and then I just got my, my extra, my, my you know, external five-gallon gas tank. And I went to the – in the Lancer, by the way. I went to the gas station, filled that up, put a bunch of gas in the Phaeton, and it started. It ran like crazy. So then I went to the gas station and I got it filled up. And then when I filled it up, I realized that the gas gauge, I put in like 24 gallons. I filled it to the brim. The gas gauge, with it filled to the brim, said three quarters of a tank. At which point I realized well, that that eighth of a tank on the gauge meant you got nothing, my friend. Yeah. And I happened to get home from an errand last night, unaware, blissfully unaware, that I'd run the car out of gas, essentially. When I got in it this morning to take my Sunday school, it died from lack of gas because the gauge in my $5,000 car is now incorrect. It's unreliable. Well, that means it only works from the three-quarter mark down to the eighth mark. So so you only have <laughs> this, half of the swath of this the gauge means, well, but here's the thing. to, to I, indicate I came to do the podcast and tonight, not. and it's decided now to show me a full tank of gas. So what? it's just unreliable. So now I'm, now I'm that guy that is going to kind of – Pay attention to the gauge, but mostly just watch the trip odometer that tells <laughs> exactly. me how many miles I've run. And if it ever says a quarter tank, I'm filling it. I was joking with Todd. Yeah. All right. So you put 24 Fate gallons in. You're at three quarters tank. <laughs> Does your car have like a 32-gallon tank? It's, 
got four gas tanks. It runs 60 gallons. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a cow's stomach with all these gas tanks everywhere. It's got 11 radiators, five batteries, three ECUs. Cow's stomach. Two fuel pumps. Here's the thing. It does have two fuel pumps. It has two batteries. It has two fuel pumps. Get over this. The the level of redundancy in this car is shocking. But, of course, you can look at the the good side. That means twice as much stuff that could break. It's like aircraft designers decided to build a car. Like, we don't need all the redundancies. The car... If you roll to a stop, you're on the ground already. <laughs> you, don't, so, you don't need to yeah. keep it in the air. The the fate and fails continue. But but honestly, I say all of that. The It is so much happier now with fresh struts and fresh batteries. And I am shooting it this weekend, barring something unexpected. And that video is coming very soon. I'm really excited, genuinely excited to share this car now that it's back and running and things are happening. For now. I'm always hey, going to say, I, okay. after everything we ca- do with our anything cars. Anything about these two cars. For, for now. now. That's good. Julian in Michigan writes to us <laughs> with the headline, Miata or McLaren? He mm. is 27 years old. He said he graduated his university almost a year ago with a fairly common degree, which he does not mention. Mm-hmm. He did his research work, so he does have a PhD on an extremely obscure topic. Uh-huh. He said the kind of topic that only a handful of people in the world work on and have the quote, nose for. Mm-hmm. Now, he said, initially, I just did this because I was interested, but quickly found out that this weird area of work is so obscure that anyone who has the skills to do this work dictates their own salary. Yeah. And that's to put it gently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, this was a big motivator to finish the degree. And he said, it's such a niche area. He was hired before he finished his degree and worked part-time until he went full-time. Yeah, this story gets weirder and weirder, and he never, just so you know, those of you listening, he never tells us what he does for a living. No, no. In a minute, I'm going to deconstruct this because I think I know. Julian says, as a a result, he's found himself with the world's biggest first world problem of having a huge salary in a low tax (laughs) area. He said, I'm not bringing this up to brag about riches and wealth. He says, as a matter of fact, he's found himself unable to shake off university life habits. He lives with roommates. He preps all his meals for the week. He on Sundays and he drives the family hand-me-down car that his dad gave him mm-hmm. gave to him for graduating college, which is a 2009 Nissan Altima. He says, "If it boggles your mind, I f- imagine how conflicted I feel." Yeah, old habits yeah. die hard. He said, "I grew up in a household where we always thought about new ways to save money." <laughs> and he says, "Just ingrained, I just enjoy my yeah. lifestyle." Yeah, yeah. And so he says, "I don't want to give away too much information because it could identify him, which uh-huh. is how few people in the world work in this field." Yeah, that's adding to my to my story. He's yeah. also mm-hmm. ineligible mm-hmm. to open certain retirement accounts due to his income. So it's high, uh-huh. which leads him to the car situation. But first, I want you to guess. I'm going to guess wrong, but I'm a screenwriter, and I'm going to deconstruct this for a second. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Our friend Julian <laughs> has a career that very few people in the world have. He was doing it part-time before he got out of school, getting his, in quotes now, PhD. Mm-hmm. He lives with roommates very non-conspicuously. Okay. He drives a car nobody notices. He gets paid whatever he asks to get paid. Hmm. He's an assassin. <laughs> Julian's an assassin. And I'm going to continue to defer to him as our assassin friend because huh. he is young, in demand, gets to say, that job's worth this much. Do and you he's need a PhD in, in and schooling, he's in hiding. Though? Oh, the PhD's a front. <laughs> 
course. Julian's an assassin. You are a screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs> so he's driving his little Ultima, and he's living with his roommate. You can't see my air quotes, folks. He's driving his Ultima, living with roommates. He's in hiding. He has a whole... You, ne- I never knew it was him. He seemed like such a nice man. If you see the 2009 Ultima, you're dead. Yes. You're it, dead. The, if, the Ulti- if an Ultima pulls in my drive next week, you will know what happened. <laughs> If hey, my, what if a my cool son, looking 09 Ultima. If my son tells you while through tears, <laughs> Uncle Paul, Dad was sitting in the front room with me, and he said, oh, no, there's an Ultima. And the next thing I knew he was dead, it's Julian. It's Julian. He drove in from wherever. It is Ultima. Oh, this is brilliant. I'm sorry. I just, the, oh, the more this, this story goes on, the more he's, here's the other thing. He also makes the comment here where he's a slow driver. He talks about the fact, whatever the speed limit is, I go below. Of course you do. Because the last thing you want to get is pulled over. Suspicion. You can't get pulled over. You're not going to raise suspicion. <laughs> you see where I'm going. What sort you, of clothing do you wear for your job? You your see how it connects. Job quote. He does ten miles an hour below everything. He just he's just <laughs> he's flying below the radar with his roommates and his pre-made right. meals and then his sniper rifle in the closet. Got, yeah, I brought a sack lunch to my latest hit. Seriously, you got to stake it out sometimes, man. I'm going to be here a while. Yeah, Julian's an assassin. Whoa, I'm standing by great. it. He lives in Michigan because who suspects an assassin lives in Michigan? He's supposed to live on the south of France. He goes to the south of France oh, to do his job that he got a PhD for. I'm telling you, man. I'm this staying with good. it. He's an assassin. Let's find the assassin a car. All right. So, Julian's roommates have been talking his ear off about getting an amazing enthusiast car. He's got high income. How are you paid, Julian? Is that all cash now? Because Todd's got me so suspicious it, over here. It drops into the account number that he gives his clients, and it suddenly shows up, and he makes sure the account... You've seen all the movies. I've seen... the. What's the yeah. Ben Affleck... One, uh, what the accountant? The accountant. Yeah, I mean he's an assassin. Yeah, but let's but go to accountant. like, well, let's go to Born Identity. Let's do cool ones. Anyway, yeah, uh, interesting. All right, yeah, pull a trailer behind. You. He's got a PhD. Anyway, yeah. all right. So his roommates argue with each other every night on which high performance car Julian should buy. While he just sits there and he said, "I have no opinion. I have no say in the matter." So they're arguing over his income. And Julian just gets to watch? Did you ever see Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Oh, I love that movie. Okay. It's great. So Brad Pitt's buddy is Vince Vaughn, who lives at home with mom. <laughs> I mean, this is his. Ro- this is Julian's roommates. They're just, they're, they're the guys that are the hangers on. They're probably helping him set up the hits. They are. Yeah. They're the guy at the computer. Wow. You know, with the little headset on when it all goes wrong. I'm telling you, I'm writing it right now. It's awesome. It's a, it's a good script, actually. Yeah. All right, so Julian says there have been several episodes, podcast episodes, where we've talked about how it's a bad idea to jump from an appliance car into an insane car. Essentially, the ends of the spectrums. From something no one notices to something everyone notices because now they see the gun in the side. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I need to let it go. All right. Yeah, let it go for a moment. All right, so he doesn't know what he would do if he just got a 600-horsepower car, Mm -hmm. and he says, I don't want to instantly slam it into a wall. And as you said, he's a slow driver. He admits to be yeah, going yeah, yeah. under five under the limit instead of five over. He said when the school zone says to slow down 15 miles an hour and everybody slows to 30, he says he's the one that's angry moms in the minivans who are late to drop off the kids because he's cruising along at 10 miles an hour hoping yeah. to not hit anybody. Yeah. But he loves driving. He says, I love taking drives through nature. I love road trips, winding roads, and I love feeling close to the road. But most of all, he loves small cars. He says, let me rephrase that. He hates large cars. He doesn't mm-hmm, know why, mm-hmm. but yeah. his dream garage would be K-cars, Japanese K-cars. Yeah. And he says, I don't know why I'm wired that way, but he says, even my Ultima says, seems giant to me. And he says, all right, he took our advice 
when he first started test driving. He's gotten the BRZ, the 2 Series, the Nissan 370, Civic Type R, Fiesta ST, yeah, a GTI, yeah, yeah. So the good Abarth, start. Good job on and the Miata. Homework. Well done on that. Well done on that. Very well done. He even test drove a giant Ford F-150 to see if there was something <laughs> about being massive. Is, is it just how his brain's wired? Would, would he switch to liking yeah. it? He said, no, didn't work. And he said even the Civic Type R and the 370Z are too big for him. Think about that for a minute. At the Civic Type R and the 370Z, are are, I would not define either one as large cars, but he said they still feel too big. This is a guy who likes the sensations of driving and not the speed of driving. Mm-hmm. It's the I think it's the man-machine connection. It's because of the rifle bolt thing that he does with his Stop actual it. work. But anyway, it's the, the, the man-machine connection. He enjoys that and the sensations of driving. But we're not looking for something crazy. We can't go too crazy here based on his requirements. No, and he said he did drive the Miata, and he says, I don't even like interior quality because he liked the N.A. Miata. (laughs) Yeah. And he feels he goes on to say, here's what I like and didn't like about Mm -hmm. the list of driving homework. Yeah, yeah, he does a good job. Which I'm glad you did because Mm -hmm. it's always important, and those of you listening, Julian's done the driving homework, so he either can confirm Mm -hmm. where his headspace is at or he learned something new and said, wow, I didn't know I'd like that. Or You know, it turns out I'm right. I like small cars. Totally fine. But here he is. He feels like he's going insane. <laughs> so the crazy pills you, that you're taking, mm-hmm. yeah. probably, you know, you shouldn't take those. He's got the entire world on one side. He says, get an amazing car. He mm-hmm. says he could buy himself a brand new 3 Series or he could wait a couple years and get a brand new McLaren GT. Maybe okay. a couple hits later. You yeah, but I mean, I, just, right, now I'm just, doing it. Seriously, it's easy. But you see the thread here. You see the thread. You just you just charge more for the next hit, and you get the McLaren now. But back back to quasi reality. He he feels like right now, and this is this is so insane. The whole thing's insane, Julian. But I'm loving it. Thank you. And I'm going to write the script later. You could probably spend up to about seventy or eighty thousand dollars currently. Now, if you waited, mm-hmm. you could get more. But the, I'm just going to deal in – the thing I like about this, Julian, is the fact that you are in tune with what you do for a living. No, in tune <laughs> with what you like about cars and driving. You've already, with drive homework and with your personal experience, realized the things you enjoy about driving and the things that you don't. That helps so much in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have six cars to recommend to you mm. in two different categories. I have a category of – classics and i have a category of things i have defined as recent but timeless Hmm, because what i like for you is yes you don't need big power it's irrelevant for you you need driver connection and you need story you need a car that has a story you need a car that has a personality for sure that if you're driving it slowly you can enjoy it i like that that's my entire headspace because remember julian is keeping the altima it's going nowhere. That's true. That That's is true. the reliable it's the Michigan it winter car. Yeah. He says, I'm going to drive this thing till yeah. it breaks. Mm-hmm. Julian, to start out with, I'm not even going to recommend a car. I'm going to recommend real estate. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Now All stay right. with me. Uh huh. You this need a warehouse. Took a turn. Space. There you go. You need a garage. Okay. And you're in Michigan. As a matter of fact, m1concourse.com, concourse with an E, okay. is in Pontiac, Michigan, near championship motor raceway motor speedway okay all right go on they sell private garages they're actually individually deeded condos that are Hmm. at the racetrack but they're also they can be turned into any kind of space you can have a bedroom in there and a kitchen and a living Mm. space Mm -hmm. along with space to park many cars because if you just go out and get something right now cheap or expensive 
then you're going to think, okay, well, what's next? Because of all the money pouring in the door. <laughs> so you're talking about actually just move out from the roommates, go to the track. Have I'm not some even talking space. move out. This okay. is just right. where the cars are going to be stored oh, wow. and the okay. hangout space. I'm talking about look down the road for the experiences you're going to want because of the probably 12 cars Todd and I are about to recommend to you. <laughs> I yeah. guarantee you, you're not going to just pick one and be happy with it. Mm, mm. You're going to have the Altima, and then you know you take the Altima to M1 Concourse. You park that inside, and you take whatever else, whatever out, else out, and you take that home for the week, or you go on a drive, or something like that. I love this assassin movie we're writing. Now, I'm so so pleased with it. Your friends who are recommending all these crazy cars, again, mm-hmm. cheap or expensive. Now you've got a place to put them, yeah, and a you're place right. to host you're right. people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's at the racetrack because you you can get into events there, and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of driving events. So you're in the thick of everything that's going on in your car community in Detroit. I do wonder, actually, I like that you brought up a racetrack. I do wonder for Julian, and and I really do wonder this, if based on his nature and his desire to fly under the radar, based on his <laughs> nature, I'm going to stay there. I wonder if you're a guy, though, Julian, that if you were on a racetrack, you'd discover driving fast. I wonder if you're – because I've known other drivers like this that okay. were hot shoes. Okay. But yet incredibly conservative on the road. I've known those drivers. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you might be one of those people that once you realize all the traffic's going the same way, everybody that's here is, is here to drive as hard as possible. This is a controlled space. If I go off, I'm not going to get hurt. I wonder if you – in that scenario, hmm. you would become a hot shoe and love it. Could be. Could so, be. I mean, the way you describe the kind of driver you are, I think you might be one of those guys. So I like the racetrack angle for that. I hadn't thought about that. This is cool. Sorry, this is Champion Motor, Spe- Motor Speedway in Pontiac, Michigan. Okay. It's right there in the property, m1concourse.com. They're newly built. It's sort of the hub that's of all cool. things Detroit I like it. now. I do and it's like actually, it. That's Champion great. Motor Speedway is just off Woodward Avenue. It's about 20 miles okay. from the center of Detroit. Okay. But it's way out there. And you could start off with an original 60s Mini Cooper. Oh, I like that. Could start like off that. with one yeah, of those. Yeah. Those yeah, yeah. are the original tiny car. Yes, yes. They're fun to drive. If you get a friend in the back, they can do the rider active thing. So when you go around the corner, they can shift their weight. So they're they're actually kind of on their knees with their hands against each side window, and they can, they can push be. themselves yeah. each side of the car and actually kind of you That's, know steer like a sailboat. I love rider active Mini Coopers. That's really good. But if you decide to spend some money. You could go Porsche 550, like a spider replica. Ooh. You could start going Dang. down the road of all these replicas, like the E-Type Speedster that yeah. we drove from Green yeah, yeah. Garage and that gorgeous 914 that was a custom build, yeah. two-inch lower roof. <laughs> Which I could not fit in to save my fenders. life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that car. That's on my list, 914. But you could also go Porsche 356s of any year. Interesting. That's a good one to go back to. Interestingly, like that, yeah. these are cars that all kinds of car enthusiasts gravitate back mm-hmm, to after mm-hmm. driving all these hot things, and then they come back to the 356, which is slow and mm-hmm. theoretically underpowered, and they're tiny yeah. and unassisted everything. But there is, <clears throat> on Canapa's website, there's a black 1963 356B outlaw. <laughs> oh, no. That's gorgeous. You could go short wheelbase 911, like the 63 to 66, sure, the early sure, cars. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, you have the entire Lotus catalog. Of yeah. all the tiny, fun, yeah. screwed yeah. together, and the screws, you know, unscrew themselves over time, and then you yeah. got to bolt everything back down kind of cars. <laughs> Europas and Elises and Super 7s. Yeah. Same thing with Caterhams. Caterhams are tiny. True. Yes, they are. Fun. They really are, Different. Yeah. Completely exposed, yeah. I mean, imagine you've got your garage space at M1 mm-hmm. Concourse. Yeah, I see the And picture. you have a selection. You've got the 356 and maybe a Caterham, maybe that E-Type, maybe a Speedster, which might be a little bit too big. Okay. 
I'm going to keep going to Ferrari 308s and 348s and Mondials. Okay. All right. I wonder if the Mondial would make its way onto your list. Absolutely. I see it. I see it. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're not the historic stuff. They're not the 70s and 60s yeah. super expensive Ferraris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, therefore, okay, I didn't spend too much. I spent 70 grand. They're, they're realistically attainable, especially for this budget. Yeah. Alphas, the tiny Alphas of the mm-hmm. 1963 sure, Alpha Male sure, Julia sure. Yeah, yeah. 1600 spent Sprint Speciale. Tiny little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're going to spend some money, if you've got a little modest but tasteful curated collection going, okay, okay. if you're going to spend some money, it isn't that McLaren GT. For the same money, you can go get yourself a BAC Mono R. Ooh, okay. I mean, you could do KTM Expo, but... BAC Mono. If, if he's living at the track, he's got something to, that's for oh. you. Single seater, center yeah. seat. Yeah. It's just for you. There was that guy at the ring this year that was driving that. Was it the ring or spa? It was spa. Spa. It was spa this yeah. year. And that was just cool. I I, I was perfectly Anywhere happy to, to just pull him. over and just let him pass. They'll look good 50 years from now. It's it's a spaceship. And I don't so care. Cool. Yeah. It, they yeah, yeah. just look good. They're timeless. If the company goes out of business, they're easy to work on probably by any yeah. mechanic or they're builder. They're so cool. Yeah. They're get a BAC mono and people won't think, Ooh, flashy sports car. They'll think, Oh, you're an enthusiast track car. Mm-hmm. What is this thing? Is that a yeah, kid car? Yeah, yeah. Is, who is this? Yeah. And it says something special about you curated individual, unique. It's just for you. Nicely done. You pull your helmet on. Goodbye. Yeah. You're anonymous again. Well done. Well done. I like this this assassin in a BAC mono, by the way. That's a great chase scene coming up in the movie later. It's going to be awesome. Exposed carbon fiber yeah. and the details and blacked out everything. Matte black carbon everywhere. I like it. So, Julian, I'm trying to get you driving experiences. Cars that if you go slowly, you're going to enjoy them. Mm, yeah. But cars that have got a good mechanical connection throughout. For okay? sure. For sure. These are the things I'm pondering. So I've got, again, two categories. I've got a classic category and what I'm calling recent but timeless Okay. And I'm also staying, I mean, with your budget of 80 grand, any of these cars is possible. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. Okay. So get yourself a Jaguar E-Type. Luscious. Get a Series 1 or Series 2. That takes you roughly, I'm going to get it wrong, but roughly 61 to 67, 68, that range. Okay? Don't get a Series 3. They, they get less attractive and bigger. Okay? So it doesn't matter. Engine, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Just find one you like. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is not a drive-fast car. It really isn't. But they feel small and light and so mechanical. You get mm-hmm. one that's well sorted. It'll probably run you the upper end of your budget, 60 to 80 grand. I mean, if you get one that's pristine, you'll spend twice your budget. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about get a driver. Okay? okay. So Jaguar E-Type. You don't even have to go to the crazy speed we did at Grios. I'm just saying get yourself. Get a convert. I actually almost prefer the coupes at this point. Okay. They're okay. just they're pretty, and they're so nice to drive. Yeah. So Jaguar E-Type. Yeah. BMW 2002. You've driven some BMWs and liked them. Get a 2002. Not a fast car. True, true. But so dynamically right and so yeah. much personality. Yeah, the tiny BMW eras. Just get yeah. that analog like crazy. We did a fast blast of one forever ago, and, and it, was, it wasn't it was even like the pristine sort of one, and it was still crazy fun. Mm-hmm, so BMW mm-hmm. 2002. The last one on my classics list is the 80s Carrera 32911. Oh yeah, yeah. This is modern enough that you get the G50 transmission and and power in the in the low 200 horsepower range, 200 230 depending, and that feels fast enough to be like I have a sports car, mm-hmm, but yet mm-hmm. it's still all the classic 911 air cooled things. But it isn't 
the 993 or the 356 or the ones that people are now like sniper shotting. Yes, I'm referencing your career. Sniper shotting now <laughs> to specifically go, those are going up in value because those are the super special ones. You just get a normal Carrera 3.2, mm-hmm. drive it, listen to the clatter, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That's okay. my classics list. Okay. The what I would call recent but timeless are stuff that has been made in the last decade. Okay. All right. But I'll go with a full new one right now. You said you like the NA Miata. I get it. I totally get it. But I'm also in these in these cars kind of future proofing you a bit. Get a brand new Miata RF with the updated engine. Oh, sure. And just sure. enjoy. Yeah, that car great. looks classy. They do. It's a little yeah. standout for an assassin who's trying to hide. But that car looks classy. Quit it. It's incredibly fun to drive. We have one coming up for, for TV, TV Season 6, so that's really, really cool. So that's my only new car. But the two used ones, both of which are in your budget, 987 Boxster Spider. That's a car that just has involvement. And you don't see them all the time. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they're 2011, light. 2012? They're like 2,700, 2,800 pounds. They're light. They're not uber powerful, but they feel quick because they are light and sure. really compact. Well, you've got to go Cayman R from that era, too, yeah, if you're going to do that. Yeah, but I think the Boxster Spider is more special because of the convertible all-the-time okay. feel about it. If he's chasing – this is the fun-involving <laughs> car. The top doesn't ever fit right. Exactly. And when it but does, this is the it fun involving everything car. in totally. the car. And then the last one, because you kind of like the two series, tossing it out, BMW 1M. So good. So six cars for you there. Uh, find something that fits your gear, <clears throat> and off you go. If you got your own debate, please write to us at Everyday Driver TV. Holy cow! You've got a red dot in your chest. Oh, it moved up to your forehead. <laughs> exactly. The Altima's coming, and it's angry. So there you are, wrenching on your car, and you round off a bolt head, or you strip out a screw head, or the nut you need, of course, is frozen in rust. We've all been there. Now there's a great solution from Rocket Socket a company which has a legacy of making fastener removal tools with proven technology. Rocket Socket has created a new premium set of removal sockets for damaged fasteners of all kinds. They easily remove any damaged or rusted or frozen, stripped out or rounded out fasteners. And most importantly, all of the sockets are 100% made in the USA with only high-grade American steel. These are incredibly cool and perfectly simple. If the socket fits the fastener, whether it's a bolt, a nut, a screw head, whatever, it won't let go. The secret here is the proven razor grip superior removal technology. All of these sockets work with all standard ratchets, impact wrenches, and power tools. We've stripped more bolts than we can count, so we're excited to use these socket sets and have Rocket Socket as a sponsor. Go to therocketsocket.com to choose the most useful fastener removal socket set for yourself or give a really useful gift this year. All of the sets work for all the other projects you've got going on and around your house, too. As well as receiving free shipping, you can now use the code every day to save 15% on the socket set purchased through the web store at therocketsocket.com. The weather's changing, but the sun is still out and still baking your car's interior. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time. 
and it seems there's always a new place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. Kayla writes to us from Montana, and she's had the worst luck with purchasing cars. That's too bad. She said she bought her first truck at 18 and has only bought trucks since. Okay. And admits to being a pushover when it comes to salespeople and dealerships. It seems they sneak something into her deals that she's not aware about, or she's just not getting a good deal. Mm -hmm. We're sorry to hear Mm -hmm. that, Kayla. Also, every vehicle she's bought has been hit or rolled or totaled by insurance, mm. not mm. any of her fault. She recently switched from Chevy Silverados to a 2015 Chrysler 200 Sport all-wheel drive. She said she loved the car, but she drove it for one week before someone oh. sideswiped her on the highway. So now she's out of vehicle again. She wants to buy something that she has a passion for. Mm-hmm. Now, she's mm-hmm. up in Montana, she says, so the weather is unpredictable. We That's know we're in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got. She's got absolutely no problem with her replacing her own parts, so she actually kind of enjoys it. So she that's wants really to wrench cool. on it. Bravo. Which Very is also, cool. yeah. I mean, that's different. And she doesn't understand when she finds something she loves, the dealership usually tells her that that's not a car you could be in. And then they try mm-hmm. to push her over here to something brand new, that, of course, that they want to sell. That, of course. That they're trying yeah, to of push. Yeah, of course they do. So here she is with a budget of a little bit more than $20,000, and she doesn't know what she can get. Is that, you know, all-wheel drive, four-by-four, anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the big priority is safety because of all the wrecks she's been in. Gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it it is too bad. It really is. Yeah, for sure. She's been listening to debates. She's learned a lot, but she wants to know what we think. And so that's the top priority. We want to include some driving fun. We mm-hmm. want it to look good, mm-hmm. of course. Safety is always up there. The newer cars that you get, of course, are generally going to be up there as far as number yeah. of airbags and safety features and you know crash standards and all that stuff. The newer, so the safer, yeah, we, for we sure. try and skew that way towards newer. Yeah. We're not going to be recommending <clears throat> vintage Porsches or you know, That's not That doesn't work old here. Alphas Plus, she's not an assassin, so it doesn't work either. This yeah. is true. At least she hasn't admitted being one. As far so as we far. know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Looking out for your budget and interests, take a friend with you next time you go, when you do go shopping, somebody who doesn't have to know about cars, but mm-hmm. just will listen to what the person at the other end, the salesperson, whoever's trying to sell you yeah, that yeah. car, and just listen objectively and, okay, well, you're trying to push something that you want. You're not listening to Kayla. Mm-hmm. You're not taking her needs and interests in mind. You just want to sell this car over here to make your commission. Somebody that can just step aside and, again, not know about the car, but know about people mm-hmm. and know about human nature. Mm, that's interesting, yeah. I so I encourage you to take a friend with you if possible. If they're knowledgeable about cars, great. Mm-hmm. But if they can just be there to kind of back you and just listen in, just my friend's with me, and they're just here along for the ride. They just wanted to come. Yeah. Then they can kind of say, you know, when the salesperson walks away, like, you know what? I'm not sure this is right. Or you know what? I think this is good. We should keep going on this. Ultimately, you've got to find something Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. like, and they need to acknowledge that. True. And I also think I like that a lot. I think to add on to that, here's another thing you can do, Kayla. I get the the sense from your email that you've done a lot of, of shopping for cars by walking onto a lot. 
mm-hmm. and winding up with a car versus walking onto a lot looking at a specific car. Okay. And I think sure. that is going to sure. change the conversations you can have going forward. From a drive homework perspective, I think you need to start picking the car you want to drive and you know the car you want to see and why you want to see it before you step on the lot. Ideally, that's a car that you've at least done some personal research on so that you know probably as much and wouldn't be surprised if more than the salesman does about the specific thing you're looking at. It's a good point. That will keep you in, pardon the pun, the lane you want to be in Hmm. because I'm here to look at at bullet Mustangs. You're not going to wind sure. up in an explorer. Sure, very it's true. It's not going to happen. Very true. Okay? So if you are looking at a specific car, especially like used car lots where they've got everything, you could be led around and wind up, why, how did we end up here? Mm-hmm. Why am I buying a motorhome? What happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> Airstream. I didn't think I'd Seriously, walk away I'm with here to buy hatchbacks. Yeah. This isn't a hatchback. Yeah. So I'm not looking at it. You know, so so you can. The more you know about what you're looking for specifically, the more you can guide the conversation. But you have to to present your own level of, and I don't mean this to be. You're not there to be a jerk, but you have to present level of strength of. I know why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. not here for car in an amorphous whatever way, and I have money. I'm here for a car like this, or I'm here for this model, and I think it will help you immensely to approach it that way. But I've got some ideas for you, too. Now, we don't know whether you're looking for a manual or an automatic. Mm-hmm. We can recommend either. We don't know if you're looking for lots of space or a tiny car. Safety is a huge priority, and many times people associate safety with size. And I am here to tell Sometimes, you once yeah. again mm-hmm. on my soapbox <laughs> about the car that can avoid the accident in the first place is the safer car. I agree with that, yeah. If it can outbreak, outaccelerate, mm-hmm. or outmaneuver the thing coming at you, yeah. well, that's a safe car, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not about plowing through the accident in a Suburban, or that's still rough. It shakes you up, as you know, Caleb. Yeah. So, Ugh. ideally, let's leave those in your past. No more, mm-hmm. right? So, are you open to small cars? Are you open to things like a Mark VI Golf R that is... Mm-hmm. All-wheel drive. That's on my list. It can be automatic. It can be manual. What about that car? What about, you could even go VW Golf All-Track. It's, sure, a wagon. Sure. It's got more yeah, space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're inexpensive, which means you can go newer. You can go 2018 Golf All-Track. Mm, okay, okay. Plus, they're not going to make it anymore. They're kind of be a little bit rare, in a sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we're going All-Track, what about an All-Road? I'm thinking mm, Quattro. Okay. You want all-wheel yeah, yeah, drive. You yeah, want yeah. something that you love that is just... Uh, I really like my car. What about Audi? What about the Quattro people and, you know, the Audi All-Road? And there's so many wagon enthusiasts and, you know, you can do all kinds of stuff to them. They just look good stock even. How about an All-Road? Something like that. What if you went SUV? You could go kind of the medium size or tiny. Then that is the Mazda CX-5 or CX-3. I wondered about those. All-wheel drive. That's good. And they're inexpensive, which means, again, you can go newer. Mm -hmm. They drive well. They handle well. They're fun to drive. They've got an element of fun about them. They do. But admittedly, they're smaller. None of Mm -hmm. these are trucks. And I'd ideally like you to not be in another truck. I agree with that, yeah. I wanted you to have a Kia Stinger GT. I I want (laughs) this for you. Obviously, you'll have to go GT2 if you want the all-wheel drive. The cheapest one so far that I could find for you, Kayla, is a $31,000 Kia Stinger GT. Hmm. Okay. It's larger car. I want you to be an all-wheel drive car that's fun. It looks good. You're proud of it. 
but here I am doing the thing that everybody else has done to you, and that is push you in a direction you don't want to go, and that is mm. price. I'm just merely suggesting it as food for thought because all the $20,000 Kia Stingers are rear-wheel drive, four-cylinder engines. Yeah. I want you to be yeah. with a V6, and I want you to have it for a while. Yeah. And all-wheel drive. So yeah, yeah. I, that's my desire for you. I think you would mm-hmm. love a Kia Stinger. They're too expensive for your budget. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I've backed off into Volkswagen Golfs. They're okay. all-wheel drive. They're fun to drive. I mean, even the original GTI, you could put winter tires on, mm-hmm. bomb around Montana, and have the a front-wheel ball in be that good. thing. It'd be good. Yeah, yeah, You could sure. have a ball. There's so many great hot hatches mm-hmm. that you could be in. I like the Mazda CX-3 for you. It's kind of in between as far as it is. SUV, but it it's should, not really. It should have been a wagon, but yet it has an SUV. You know what I mean? Stance. It's, it's yeah, not sure. a full-on sure. hatch. Yeah, yeah. It's not an SUV. It's kind of – and they're still fun to drive. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely and they're they new technology, all that kind of stuff. So look at these kinds mm-hmm. of cars mm-hmm. that have the all-wheel drive, but they're not big SUVs and they're not big trucks. Because I think once you find a car that is closer you know, around you, if you feel like you're wearing it a little bit more than sitting in a giant truck, you'll feel safer because you can maneuver better. You've... Very you possibly. understand the corners of your car better, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know where it's at from a maneuverability standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think that might help. So, I yeah, you've got some drive homework here. It sounds like you've driven a lot of cars already, but hopefully this changes your head, headspace a little bit. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Kayla, I even found you a 2012 Porsche Cayenne for 219. Whoa. It's the left turn. It's okay. the newer body style. Really? Okay. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's the first year. What, of that say what year was 20, 2011? 2012. second year. Okay, so that's that's even better. She avoids the yeah, bad second first year. year. I mean, that, was it's the not that it was year, bad, but you that's know what right. I mean. It has ninety thousand miles. Okay. However, Todd's had great experience with his. Yes. And it's that yes. V six twenty one nine, which means they'll take twenty one thousand. Yeah. They and will. you could be rocking a Cayenne that is larger. They drive well, mm-hmm. and I do they believe drive really well. When you do stay on top of regular maintenance, they'll be great. Ours has been phenomenal. That's I like my that wild twist. card for Well you. done on the wild card. I like that. I approach this a couple different ways, Kayla, and I'm going to go off into a tangent that has nothing to do with cars for a second. But first off, I approach this as kind of older cars that I think of as all-wheel drive fun hatches. Because you, you mentioned that. You want to look back and be like, that's my car. Yes. So it's yes. got to be a little bit unique. It's got to have a little bit of, of flavor about it. So I've got some older stuff in there. I've also got some newer stuff. But I'm going to go on a quick tangent here real quickly. What opportunity do you have, Kayla, to get some driving instruction? Hmm. Autocross is fine. Hmm. But I think I would like you to get some driving experience that is at the limits of car handling. And it can be autocross or it can be a full track day. Okay. The reason I say it is because most of us haven't done that. Most sure. drivers haven't done that. Sure. And I think when a driver takes that opportunity and actually realizes what a car does is at the edges of the limits, I think it does two things. I think it helps your confidence level when things go awry because they might. You're in weather. You're in Montana. I get it. It also changes the way I think you look at other cars. In what sense? I think it. I think your relationship. I think about the way that I drive my Lotus. Okay. Where I am playing. I've mentioned it before. Vehicular chess. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. about everybody's relationship to me because that matters for my safety and it matters for the fact that you can't see me because I'm tiny. And what what I'm thinking is that you've been in a lot of situations where people have hit you or you've been in situations where the road situation has gone awry. Hmm. I would like your brain to be ahead of the problem. Sure, sure. I, and I that, like that takes training and instruction. 
and you have to be in a situation where you're learning the edges of what a car does before I think your brain starts to project out far enough to get ahead of things going awry. So you're talking about being anticipatory of yes. other people's moves yes. just by reading their it's not body language, not but they're all. reading their car language by what their car is doing. I mean, I can always tell when somebody's on their phone ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I can all, and I'm like no, probably somebody's just ha- nope. They're on their phone. Dang it! You can I, go I around think, them. I think once you start taking that kind of driving instruction, I think you start to take in the road a little differently. I'm not saying it's a fix-all. There's still mm. accidents happen to all kinds of people, professional race drivers on sure. random highway. Sure. It just happens. I get it, but I think it changes your awareness and the way you take in other cars and your own car situation. I think that might add another layer of protection to keep you out of situations. A bit more proactive in I think so. reading a situation. I think so. I think that I think the potential is there. Even if you take a preemptive move and mm. you're wrong, you've backed off far enough or you're you're or you got away from yourself. that cluster of cars or whatever yeah. it was you did. You're just yeah. in a situation where now you're looking at it going, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a great example that happens all the time on the road. You and I see it all the time. It drives us nuts. When the person There's many things, so I'm well, awaiting no, no, no. the when thing. The, when the person doesn't actually pass an 18-wheeler. Oh, my gosh, yes. I, I just don't – I simply don't understand yes. it. Get around the truck. You, you, you're, Exceed the speed for the limit last, and get away from the for truck. For the last mile, we're sitting halfway down yeah. – the trailer of the 18-wheeler, and we're just sitting there. Yeah. Why? Oh, why? why? Wall, that doesn't help the 18-wheeler. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help traffic behind you. Why, why are we here? And it's a, it's, a, it's a zombie mentality as a driver where you just you didn't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you and I now are so conditioned to just not be in that situation, and I will never do it in the Lotus. Yeah, oh, yeah. For obvious reasons. But this is why I'm wondering about all of that, Kayla. So, so get some get some edge of uh, edge of experience, edge of car capability, driving mm, experience, I like and that. I think that may like change that. the way you look at the world. Okay. In the older hot hatch kind of world, I don't know if these are right, but I, these are in the category of stuff I think you'd look back at. Get a WRX. Like it's that? just yeah. fun. It's yeah, fun they are great. and they're interesting they and they're great. snorty and that'd be fun. A first gen Golf R now. I think the first gen, the Mark Six, only came in six speeds. So I don't Is know that if only you could six drive. Speed? I think so. I but, was thinking DSG, but that's later version. But that's this. I think that's the seven. But it, either way, seven. either okay. way, and right. maybe late in that model year, I could be wrong. Maybe late in the Mark Six, they did DSG, but I know it was introduced with a stick. So it may hopefully you can drive stick. Those yeah. are those would be fun Still for viable. all of your usage. They're awesome. Yeah. You could get a rally art. Not quite an Evo, you could get a rally art. They're not overly fast, but Don't it's you still all-wheel drive. I do have one. It's not quite for sale yet, but I do have one. And then if you really I could spend half your budget and get you in a Saab nine two X. Seriously. I could because, spend a quarter of that and get you in a Saab nine hundred turbo convertible. Well, and I could yeah, I could spend Sloppy. a quarter of your budget and get you in a Phaeton, but let's not do that. I mean, let's not get really crazy. Let's get but, nuts. But the 92X is essentially – it is a WRX. All your parts are WRX. It's just cheaper. Yeah, And because they're not common, it's a nice little hatchback, all-wheel drive. I loved mine. You could get a 92X. So that's the older stuff. Then in the newer stuff, you mentioned a couple of them. I think – I liked your CX-3, Paul. But what about just a Mazda 3? You certainly could. Get like a one-year-old current body-style Mazda 3. That is just – you can get it in all-wheel drive. They are great looking. They have fantastic. It, it's a luxury car for twenty grand, hmm. and they're genuinely solid to drive. They're not amazing, but they're just nice to drive. Sure, and they sure. look great. Yeah. I, I don't get the sense from Kayla that she needs the most dynamic car on the planet. The Mazda three is is kind of a victory here, so that's a good one there. Yeah, yeah. How now? Here's here's the twist. How much 
do you want this to be a driver's car? Because if you want to go driver's car, I have to say it, you can get a recent Mazda Miata, tons of airbags. Yeah, yeah, you could. It's not all-wheel drive. It's small. But, it's but small. But I, I have seen plenty of people in Salt Lake with winter tires and Park City that drive me around. Hmm. There's no reason you can't in a Miata. So you could do that. And then a last one for you, Audi A3, and maybe you might get lucky and find yourself an S3. That could be. That's so like now the you sedan get, of the Golf R. Exactly. So now you get something that feels like I bought a real. I bought a German luxury car, and it's all-wheel drive, and it they're just good. They're just solid. As I was explaining before, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com is the place to send your debates, yep. or the top right corner under the About tab is the contact button on the website where you can contact us with your own debate. Whatever kind of career you do, whatever you do for <laughs> a living to make money, yeah, please don't whatever shoot me. Whatever that is, yeah. write to us with your own debate, your second debate, your fourth debate, your sixteenth debate. We read them all. We read them all. Please do. Jump into social media questions. There's a question on Facebook from Cody M that I want to touch on that I think is ser- similar okay. in Kayla's experience here, uh, in that Cody is scared of driving a high-powered rear-wheel drive car. I saw this. How do we yeah. get over that feeling? And I'm thinking about instruction as well. First of all. Having somebody drive you in something like that, Mustang, a Corvette, or mm-hmm. something high-powered rear-wheel drive, so you can get a sense of what this car can do and what it feels like. If you've never yeah. felt the feeling yeah, yeah. of rear-wheel drive with a lot of power going through mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. that's a different, surprising feeling. Now, he says, I drive a 99 Miata. Drive it like you stole it. He says, I autocross track. It. I love it. it. It's got about three horsepower on it. He says, I can bury the pedal to the floor at nearly any moment. Never have to worry about plowing into a tree. Yeah. Even though he occasionally spins out on autocross and he nearly lost it carrying too much speed onto an on-ramp. That was in the wet. And he does Turo cars for his own driving homework to get different experiences. But he's afraid he'll get himself into serious trouble in a 911 or a VET mm-hmm. or any mm-hmm. M car, mm-hmm. Lotus Caymans, whatever that is. And so since you've had some track experience, I'll say, ride with somebody. But you're going to have to start Turoing these cars. And I-, I want you to do it in a controlled environment. I don't want you yeah. to just yeah, yeah. jump into a car and, hey, I've got a Camaro ZL1. And mm-hmm. boom, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. gone. That's what most people do. And this is the reason when a new crash video shows up on your favorite mm, news yeah. channel, it's because somebody did exactly that. They think yeah. they've got it. They pin the throttle it's, you know, a mile away from the dealership, and that's why the thing is wrecked. Yeah, for sure. So it's one of those things where you've got to ease into, and the track is the best place to do it. You can drive slowly on an HPDE day. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, you absolutely. don't have to be the hot shoe out there. Yeah, You can understand what it's like to do and then, you know, gradually work your way up so if you've got mm-hmm. access to that i think that's one of the best ways i just i want you to get in the car to feel it i just don't want you to do it right off the bat and pin the throttle and you know we've well, got to go find out what this yeah. feels like no 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 not the way to do it the work 90, up to it. the 99 miata doesn't bite if you have on off inputs all of the steering all of the brake all of the power it's it's just it's not a car that bites it can't what, overwhelm itself. What happens when you get into the higher horsepower stuff is you have to learn all of the gradual inputs and the balance of inputs. This amount of braking is okay with that amount of steering. and all. Not that you mm. don't do that in a Miata mm-hmm. at all, but mm-hmm. you've gotten so used to the car and the fact that it is well-balanced and not that powerful, you can be very binary. Whereas in a powerful car, it's all very gradual. And it's about balancing this input with that input and understanding I can't put my foot all the way to the floor until I get the steering wheel completely straight. And these kind of things, it's just it's a learning experience. But I think it's, it's within your grasp. You're just going to have to 
go in with that headspace reality of I need to be I need to find edges and I need mm-hmm. to blur lines more than I do in my Miata. Yeah, for sure. Lots Mis- of questions on here. Mr. Miata, by the way, on Instagram is, said on the jacket, "Hey, cool jacket. Uh, what's uh, what's the weight of it?" Oh yeah. Now this is Park City, where I think I have more jackets than any other piece of clothing I own. I can uh, always justify a jacket, but but this is I would say this is a medium weight winter jacket. Like when yep. it's it's cold yep. out, but not like wow, I can't believe that's the temperature. It, this isn't a serious weather jacket, and it's you know fifteen degrees. This is not enough jacket. But if it's that, hey, it's forty out. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for that. So that's the kind of jacket that it is, and they are, and they are. Uh, I would say water resistant. I wouldn't want to wear it in a rainstorm, but other than that, they're great. They're I like really, it. I, and I wear it a lot. So that hopefully that helps on that. That is the last merchandising thing I will say. Speaking of other random things, Isaac on Facebook asked me, "Have I seen Free Solo? <laughs> what are my thoughts, and how do I feel about the sport in general?" I saw it with Paul. I'm still puckered from watching that. Movie. I slept like a baby. I don't think Paul slept for a week. I was discarding handfuls of seat upholstery in the theater. I was gripping so hard. Like, handed Todd the armrest. Like, here you go. Um, Alex Hunold is in a class by himself. For the sure, thing I mentioned sure. to Paul about Free Solo, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, uh, but the thing I mentioned to Paul about Free Solo is that when he frees the nose, or frees, sorry, El Cap, it's not the nose route, uh, when he does it, he, um, yeah, he is operating at the upper level of climbing, the upper level of his sport, for four hours solid. Ponder how many people on the planet do their sport at the op- at the ultimate optimum level for four hours solid. That is rare. I don't care what your sport is. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. things don't last four hours. He was four hours solid doing that at literal one mistake and he dies. That's the thing about it that amazed me the most. I've been around climbing for a long time now, and most of the guys that solo and now let me let me define for those of you who don't know free climbing is you didn't pull on anything but the rock, but you have gear to protect you if you fall. Free solo is you didn't pull on anything but the rock, so hands and feet are on the rock again, but there's no gear psycho and this is crazy. Look, I've done a few free solo climbs. I know you have. It's still and and I've done it. Me out. And kind of like if you think about my range of ability, I did it at halfway through. If you think my range of ability is one to ten, I'm pushing the limits at ten, and I wouldn't free solo beyond like a three or four mm. in my capabilities. Mm. But I mean, what Alex Honnold is doing is, is way up there. But he's that's what his whole life's about or been about. Sure. Uh, the the L, the uh, L cap climb is a life defining moment. I suspect he will probably. Solo less now. That's my suspicion. He will solo less now. It has put him in a whole other category of sponsorship and lifestyle, and he has a woman in his life and a house, and I think he's probably going to solo less. Most of the guys that made their entire life about solo climbing have died solo climbing. That's what I'm worried about. Now that he's done it, that means it's doable, theoretically. Theoretically. Which means other people are going to try it. Theoretically. And they're not going to be successful. And Um, that's what scares me. And in the last couple weeks, a couple guys died. Well, one was injured and one died uh, in a climbing incident. They were on ropes. They were rappelling. So accidents happen in the sport, period. Uh, I've been injured. I nearly had a grounding fall. I mean, I've had some close calls in climbing, and I am nowhere near a guy that climbs all the time. Mm. So there's a a law of averages that happens in there somewhere. I thought it was an amazing accomplishment. Uh, I think the movie is solid, but I think you have to kind of know what you're going in to see. If you have a fear of heights, it's going to be hard to sit through. 
Switching gears to Devin Larrabee on Facebook asking me, what is a good first watch? He's okay, had a few online go. brands that fall apart. Looking for your first big boy timepiece. I'm going to suggest Tudor, which is a sub-brand of Rolex. Okay. I've gone back and forth about Rolex. I've teased them for being you know, the first watch you buy when you come into money and you don't know anything about watches. On the other hand, they build their own movements now, and they are a quality piece. They sell 2 million watches a year or more. For those, it's it's like Porsches. It's the people that buy them for the flash. Well, you just bought it because you don't appreciate the racing history, the Lamar wins, or the the engineering. Okay. And then there's other people that buy it for those and don't care about what people think. So Tudor is a sub-brand of Rolex. It's a quality piece. They're expensive, but they're not too expensive. They're not Rolex expensive. Okay. But they okay. still have just timeless, classic looks that will go with any wardrobe at any time. And it is a watch you will pass down to generations still. And they're probably $2,000, $3,000, somewhere in there. I mean, wow. as watches go, not too expensive. It's, it's the price of a Phaeton. It, I can get a Phaeton for the price of that watch. Buy a, anyway. anyway yeah. And then there's Midwestern Watch Dude who says, do we predict the Mo- Mustang Mach-E will be a sales success, or do we think it will live on like the Mustang II from the 1970s? Hmm. I think Ford will force it to be a success. Because if you think about the Mach 2 from the 70s, they can just, well, that was a model, and we tried it, and we'll change the model. Mm-hmm. This is an entirely new category for Ford. Yeah, yeah. It's not going away. It's not like we're going to tow in the pool of electric cars, and then we'll go back to giant V8s and everything. They're not going backwards. Yeah. They have to have it be a success. They will force it to be a success on well, so many levels, whether yeah. it's rentals or whatever that is. It will be a success. It's like, you know, CEOs on stage. They're not going to let you fail. That's why they've got teleprompters. <laughs> just read the teleprompter. Just read the text. All else fails. Read. They will not let Look you up. fail. Read. So I think they're, they're going to force it that way, whether it's this or whether it becomes something else, future product, which we know is coming from Ford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the direction we're going. It's not just, here's this iteration of, we're trying it. Mm. They're all in. Somebody found the article, and, and you'll, I'm going to misquote it here, but somebody found the article of what the capacity Ford even has based on the way they're building them and battery tech and that kind of thing, the capacity of the total number they can make in a calendar year, and it was pretty low. Like, their capacity to make them is fairly low. Oh, sure. And all of that to say, I think they are going to sell as many as they are able to make. So that'll create demand. And that will, that will make an equal sign to, that was a success, even though it's actually, we're not, it's not like they're going to set out to try to make a few hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to make, mm-hmm. like, 25 grand and be like, they all sold out. So it yeah. looks like a success yeah. because they can't make them like they make uh, Ford F-150s. They can't. Sure. So I think there's, there's a – pop out of the chute. Yeah, they do. I think that will work. Mystic Negro, who always likes to ask the fun ones, <laughs> asked if we watched the Tire tire Reviews YouTube video. I did watch it, man. Thanks for sending. Where he's actually investigating – he does a control – it's fascinating. He does a controlled test in an environment where you can constantly equalize – the amount of wetness, the location, the temperature. He's in a controlled environment, indoors, mm. and he tests everything from full summer tires to full winter snow-only tire Nokians, everything in between. He's got an all-season in there. He's got one of those new uh, all-weather tires in there. Hmm. Hmm. And Mystic Negro is essentially saying um, – I think you're wrong on, on all seasons. <laughs> That's what he's essentially saying. Let me unpack this a bit. I did watch this. 
here's the interesting thing. The guy doing the testing is from Tire Reviews, T-Y-R-E. He's from England. Tire, pneumatic tires. He's, he's, he's testing tires. It's a, it's a very cool test. I do recommend you watch it. He tests everything from, this is near freezing conditions, okay. but on wet roads, dry roads, and full snow okay. in all of these tires. Right, right. The, his big conclusion, which I don't have a problem with, his big conclusion is if you're in, essentially think about England, if you're in a temperate climate, you don't really get snow. His recommendation at the end was summer tires and all seasons. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, great. We've said before, if you live far enough south, you really don't get snow. Getting full winter tires, probably not necessary. Agreed, right? Okay, right. But where he's at is that is that forty degree forty to forty degree to freezing range is where okay. he's testing most okay. of these. What was fascinating to me though is that in wet conditions, the winter tire, not the full nuking, but the winter tire, didn't do very well at stopping in wet, in wet conditions. Okay, the all season that. and the all weather. Now, but no, side note: an all weather tire is a new category; it's only existed a couple years. And this is taking the all-season technology and making it more capable in full snow while maintaining its capabilities everywhere else. Okay. We have a couple people here locally that I can think of one guy, Mike, that actually drives on, on his Mazda 3, and he's been testing him out. And he hoons that car in the summer. He was on our, our Utah meetup. Oh, yeah, right. And right. he's driving it right now in the, in the winter. And they work great. The all-weather tires I find fascinating. It's a kind of a new compound idea in the last year or two. Yes, I'm talking tires. So those did really well in all conditions. Um, but, but here's the thing at extremes, this is where all seasons don't work. You and I live at extremes. We do. In yeah. the summer, it's warm and we drive fast and we're on canyons. We're not commuting. Right. We want to drive right. canyons fast or get on the track. You need a summer performance tire. In the winter, we're getting buried in snow. We had 18 inches last week in two days. There's snow. Yeah. Yeah. And the all seasons are falling down in the snow part of the test. What was fascinating is that in the cold, wet, the worst tires were the summers and the full winters. And the all seasons in cold and wet did the best, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, you're right. We're in extremes. And, you know, we, we talk about tires all the time. We talk about them and how they affect the handling of a car. And if you just changed this tire to a different tire, mm -hmm. it'd probably change our perception about the entire car. It's happened before. Absolutely. So I, I'm fascinated with that. But yes. I think it's economics, to be honest. Mm. I think the all-weather tire is a response to people just owning one tire well, all year round. Point. That's a fair point. They can, I mean, the M&S, the mud and snows, and the all-seasons, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is fine and all, but one that actually addresses truly everything instead of a three-season tire kind of thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's economics. That's just a market niche to capture dollars. That's really the response. It's not a, hey, we did this to, because we want it to be all things to all people. That means you're driving on Camrys. You've got all four Camrys on your wheels. Yeah. <laughs> right? Interesting. All right. Instead I, of tool for the yeah, job. And I, you're talking I, I, about tool for the job. Especially when you're at the extremes of things. I mean, that was the interesting thing about the all seasons is they're great in that middle ground. Plain Pat asks us a question about lowered cars. How do we feel about lowered cars done for performance? Plain Pat has a lowered Civic that'll pull over a G in the corners and... He knows how we feel about mis modding out of class, but how about modding a car in class to see what it can really do? To me, it's not really about lowering. Yes, it's about center of gravity, but if you notice, even the race cars, they're not scraping the ground. Yeah, Full-on yeah. lowering like we're talking is really a stance. It's a look. Yeah, It's actually for appearance. It's not necessarily race cars, and a lot of the race cars actually go with smaller wheels and thicker sidewalls. That's mm. really kind of what you want for certain types of track racing. So it's 
it's important and performance cars are lowered, but you'll notice even from the factory, this is factory tuned engineers, Porsche, BMW, all the high performance cars, they go down by two tenths of an inch. How long? How five? What's the lowering on your GTS versus the normal Cayman? It's, it's, it's like twenty millimeters or is something. Is that what it like is? That. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. very much, yeah. but it it is some. Yeah, and for you sure. can tell. For you sure, can, you can yeah, look yeah. at it and see. Okay, it's slightly lowered, but it's not on the ground. Yeah, and so from a performance standpoint, yes, it does give you that you know little bit lower center of gravity, that kind of thing. But it, it's incremental. I think my Elise is three quarters of an inch lower than the stock because it's got the the coilovers on it that are aftermarket. It's got a little bit lower stance than normal. Mm -hmm. Drives awesome. But the problem is there's a a fine line there where it just starts to become too much. I mean, if that is the race car and the track car, great. You know, do what's important. But I see the Liberty Walk stuff. I'm like, that's just unusable. That's just goofy looking. (laughs) Uh, This is me speaking. I I speak for myself. But that kind of stuff, whatever. Get, it has to actually go over some bumps. It has to have some jounce. It has to have articulation. I love the word it's awesome. Ronald on Twitter asked a very timely question. He said, "Hang on a second. I've taken in uh, car debates, topic Tuesdays, watched a lot of your videos, seen the fast blasts. Where are the large sedans?" <laughs> Interesting. You would show up now with that question, Ronald, because they are coming. First off, to answer one of your questions, honestly, they very rarely are offered up in the press fleets. Mm-hmm. Generally, mm-hmm. the press fleets seem to kind of stop in, think about 5 Series, that kind of size. That's about the highest most press fleets want to spit out. You can occasionally find the big boys, but it's not often. So getting that kind of mid-range stuff, they typically are very happy to give those up. We recently, last month or so, drove the fully loaded hybridized Lexus LS, so the big one of that. Yes. That Fast Blast is yes. coming, uh, for better and for worse. It is coming. Uh, we, we drove the Volkswagen Arteon, which is the top of their current lineup. But in mm-hmm. case you haven't noticed, we recently bought a used Volkswagen Phaeton and a Maserati Quattroporte. We're putting those against brand new sedans of the big end. That's that's what we're shooting for for season six. And then we will be covering those big sedans going forward. It's kind of like the seven seaters that we just did last season. Right. It's not something we normally seek out, but we know there's a market segment there. So we do want to touch on it. So that is coming soon. Many thanks for all your questions. As usual, there's more than we can get to in this podcast, but we will address hopefully all of them in future podcasts. Keep asking your questions, write to us with your own story. And if you want to include your career, you know what to do. <laughs> we'll take that too. Why you have laser sights on your pen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Cheers, everybody.